What is up guys, it is Quinn here. And in this video, we're gonna be running through my start sits at the tight end position. You guys know the drill by now, every single week five matchup, timestamps down below if you guys wanna jump around, listing every fantasy relevant tight end is either a start sit. And then this week we're adding like a fringe category, basically low end starting options. You don't love them in your lineup, but you know, sometimes you don't love the options that are out there, especially at the tight end position. If you guys do enjoy the video, please do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. It really does help me out a ton. And then if you guys have any fantasy questions, drop those down below and I'll be getting back to every single person. Let's jump into the first matchup this week, Thursday night football. We have the Colts taking on the Broncos. And to be honest, not a ton going on here. This Colts uh, tight end room is pretty weird because we've had like two boom games out of two different guys who really aren't super relevant, you know, on their own. We had Jelani Woods and then we had Mo Alley Cox this past week. Still can't trust any of these dudes in our lineup. So he is going to be a sit. Mo Alley Cox, Woods, you know, whoever you want to slot in here. On the other side with the Broncos, definitely the most like known tight end in that room would be Albert O but he has basically been phased out of the entire offense. He was someone who I thought had a lot of upside at the tight end position. Sometimes when you have upside, you just totally face plant, and that is what he's done. He saw his snap share just progressively go down every single week. I think he only was in on like one or two plays in week four, so he's just totally off the radar, and then no one else on that uh, Broncos tight end room that you actually want to be interested in. Moving over to the London game, we have the Giants taking on the Packers. And for the Giants, we're sitting Daniel Bellinger. Just not a ton going on there. For the Packers, Robert Tanyan, you know, he's someone who I feel like long-term has streamer potential. At this point in the season, he just doesn't have the production to be considered a start. Not enough volume, not enough yardage going on. Then we have the Steelers taking on the Bills. And Pat Fryermuth, like wherever you drafted Fryermuth, he has lived up to expectations here. He's honestly been one of the only tight ends to give you like multiple weeks of solid receiving yardage. Like I think he had a 75 yard game and like an 80 plus here in week four. So he has the volume, he has the yardage, just a really strong weekly option and someone you just can trust on a week to week basis. Obviously, he's going to have some down games, all tight ends do, but for like a mid to back end tight end one play, he has about as much security as you're going to find. On the other side, I was a big Dawson Knox guy coming into the season, just has not put it together yet, so he is going to be a sit. We've got the Chargers taking on the Browns, and two guys who you know probably wouldn't be considered starts heading into week one. Both of these players are going to be starts for me. We've got Gerald Everett here, just continues to produce. You know He's going to be a red zone threat. Obviously, it's going to be a high-scoring offense here with the Chargers, someone I think you can continue plugging into your lineup. And then we have David Njoku, who kind of did nothing through two weeks, and then we saw him just have that absolute boom in week three, nine receptions, 89 yards, and a touchdown. The question was like, all right, was he going to build on that, or is he just going to fall back down, have one spike week, and then kind of disappear? He follows it up, back-to-back solid receiving performances, didn't have anything crazy in terms of the fantasy stat line. I think he lost a fumble, which cost him, but five receptions for 73 yards. If you're giving me that at the tight end position, I will be taking that all day. You throw a touchdown in there, here and there, that's an 18 point performance. So, you know, would have been 12 without the fumble. Definitely solid out of David Njoku. And then we look at that route participation, 87%. That is elite for the tight end position. So someone who can definitely be counted on moving forward. Then we have the Texans taking on the Jaguars. Don't need to spend a ton of time here. OJ Howard, definitely not startable. Evan Ingram, he has the route participation, just really hasn't put it together with any production. So he is going to be a sit right now. 
We have the Bears taking on the Vikings. And I think a lot of people liked Komet and Irv Smith as later round tight end options. At this point in the season, neither of them have really proved much to me in terms of being startable. Cole Komet, it's just tough. Really, any of these Bears pass catchers, it's just not happening with the lack of volume. Irv Smith really just hasn't gotten it done through four weeks. So both of those guys are going to be sits. We have the Lions taking on the Patriots. For the Lions, everyone knows TJ Hawkinson coming off of just that nuclear performance. I think he's a locked-in start moving forward. Something that I'm going to be talking about throughout this video is just like the different caliber of ceilings for tight ends. I'll get into it later on, but we've seen guys struggle like Kittle, Darren Waller, but there is a certain level of tight end where even if they're not giving you a floor, they're not giving you consistency, they can go out and just drop a massive performance. It's good to see that Hawkinson is one of those dudes, didn't really do a ton through three weeks, goes out, wins you your week. You know, these other fringe tight ends, like a uh, an Irv Smith or a Cole Komet, they're not going to go out and give you a you know 120-yard performance. It's just so, so unlikely. On the Patriots side here with Hunter Henry, someone who was a viable streamer last year, just doing nothing so far this season. So he is definitely going to be a sit. We've got the Seahawks taking on the Saints. And I could see some people getting desperate here and trying to throw Will Disley into your lineup. Personally, I would advise against that. He is the tight end 10 in points per game right now, but basically that entire you know point per game number has just been carried by three touchdowns. He's not even like dominating the snap counts. Like you still have Noah Fant in there at times. So Will Disley, not someone I want in my lineup. He's averaging three targets per game. He has just been wildly touchdown dependent. Like if he went the rest of the season and only caught one touchdown, I wouldn't be surprised. He's just kind of front loaded his uh, scoring. So definitely unplayable right now. For the Saints, we saw Taysom Hill score a touchdown, but he scores that touchdown and still only gives you eight points. He's not someone we can be trusting in our lineups, at least in my opinion, in you know, your normal size leagues. Then we see the Dolphins taking on the Jets. I've talked about this, I think, every single week. Mike Gusecki, just not playable at this point, especially with Tua going down. Offense is probably going to have a lower ceiling. He's not getting the routes. Just not a good situation here for Mike Gusecki. For the Jets, I have Tyler Conklin here on the fringe. He's someone who I did trust as a strong start uh, the first few weeks of the season. Once we saw that target number was really high, we saw his route participation dip here in week four. We also saw Zach Wilson come in. Wilson really spread the ball around. You had Garrett Wilson getting targets, Corey Davis, Brees Hall, Conklin. Uh, did I forget someone, Elijah Moore? We have a lot of dudes involved on an offense that's probably not going to be great. So I think Conklin is on the fringe just because he's getting starting routes and has given you some decent performances, especially in PPR, but not someone at this point where I'm overly excited about. We have the Falcons taking on the Buccaneers next, and I have Kyle Pitts listed as a start. And some people are probably not going to like that, but it kind of is going to go back to what I was talking about with TJ Hawkinson and just the overall ceiling of certain tight ends. Now, don't get me wrong. Kyle Pitts was someone I was buying low on. Uh, after week one, after week two, you know, week three, I was feeling good. He has five receptions, 87 yards, a nice performance. I already had a few shares of Kyle Pitts coming into the season, so I like to see it. Week four, the utilization was incredibly concerning. This wasn't a situation where, you know, he's still getting a ton of routes and he just doesn't produce because sometimes, you know, it happens. We can be patient. He was outsnapped by Parker Hesse. I have never heard of Parker Hesse. And it wasn't really that close, to be totally honest. He only had a 60% route participation, 
And with that 60% route participation, the Falcons only had 20 dropbacks. So the Falcons weren't throwing the ball. And when they were throwing the ball, Kyle Pitts was barely in there over half the time. Like the dude ran 12 routes. It's truly wild to me. And it's so annoying that they actually won that game because it's like this whole philosophy is like, yeah, let's uh, have our two best players, Kyle Pitts and Drake London, just not get involved. And it's annoying because that actually won them the game. It's obviously not something that's sustainable long-term. It's crazy that you go out, draft Kyle Pitts with the fourth overall pick, this generational tight end, and you're using him on 60% of routes. It makes no sense. It's complete coaching negligence. And you may be asking, like, why is he listed as a start here, not even in the fringe category? Like I said earlier, Kyle Pitts does possess a ceiling that a lot of these other tight ends don't have. Like if Kyle Pitts went out in week five, gave you six for 120 and a touchdown, I wouldn't be shocked. And a lot of it has to do with this matchup. I don't think the Buccaneers are going to have this be a grind out game. I think the Bucs are going to come out. I think they found their groove on offense. I think they're going to be putting up points. They're not going to let the Falcons play this gross back and forth game where it's going to be 20 to 23 is the final. I just don't see it happening. So I think the Falcons are going to go behind. They're going to have to throw the ball. They're also probably going to struggle running the ball without Cordero Patterson and the tough Bucks defense. Not exactly what it's been in terms of run defense in the past two years, but still a very, very strong unit. So I think they're going to struggle to run. They're going to have to pass. And if you are giving Kyle Pitts opportunities, I'm going to buy into the talent. So I'm not saying he's going to be my tight end three, four, five on the week. He's probably more eight, nine, 10 at this point. But I do think you can start him because if you drafted Kyle Pitts, you probably don't have a solid backup. And I'd much rather just take the potential upside of Pitts, even if it seems like it's not super unlikely, than trying to tinker around on the waiver wire and pick up an Irv Smith or a Logan Thomas. Because yeah, one of those dudes may give you eight points, but if you have Pitts on the bench, you could miss out on a 25-point game. That's just kind of the reality here with some of these tight ends. On the other side with the Buccaneers, Cam Brate saw some decent targets, ended up leaving with a concussion. I don't want to deal with anyone in this tight end room. Moving over to the Titans taking on the Commanders. For me, not much going on here in this uh, tight end matchup. Austin Hooper just hasn't done much. Logan Thomas is, I guess, semi on the fringe of being on the fringe, but still going to be a sit for me. Not enough volume in offense that is spreading the ball around. Plus, they've come back down to earth these past two weeks. We have the 49ers taking on the Panthers, and I'm sure we've got some people out here upset about George Kittle, and I have him in a few spots. It's been rough. You know, he misses the first two games, comes back, has been incredibly disappointing through two more. 11.2 total PPR points the past two weeks, and watching that game, it just looked like he was being used as an offensive lineman. That's something that I was seeing. I saw a lot of people talking about it, like, you have this stud tight end and he's being used just to be offensive line. And so, like I said, that's something I thought. Then I actually dug into the stats and it wasn't actually the case. He obviously was blocking on a lot of those run plays as you would do if, you know, they're running the ball, but he actually had an 89% route participation on dropbacks. So I guess, you know, somewhat uh, solid news there that he is still running a ton of routes. Like that is great route participation for the tight end position. Unfortunately, it just did not translate to points. This is a spot where if he is still running that route participation, we're just going to have to buy into the talent. He is at the spot where it's like, I'm throwing Higby in over him. I'm throwing Ertz in over him. These guys have just developed some consistency, but I will not be throwing in like a Conklin or, you know, I don't know. What's another example? Uh, You know, like a Logan Thomas. Like I'm not benching George Kittle for those guys because he still has a ceiling and he's running routes. 
Like, you know, if he put up these two bad performances uh, like early on in the season and didn't miss those first two games and then came back in week three with like a, you know, 15, 16 point performance, people are going to be back in on him. So we just have to be patient here with Kittle. We know the talent is there for the Panthers. Just nothing going on here sitting Ian Thomas. Then we have a solid tight end matchup here between former teammates. We've got the Eagles taking on the Cardinals. Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz both established themselves as mid-tier tight end ones, potentially even like getting into that high-end range with uh, Waller and Kittle struggling. So both of those dudes are starts. Cowboys taking on the Rams. I've got Dalton Schultz here sitting on the fringe, someone who's probably been pretty frustrating to own because he went out in week four, coming back from injury, put up a goose egg, zero points on three targets. He had a solid week one, seven for 62. He gets injured in week two, two receptions for 18 yards. I do believe he was injured pretty late in the game. So it's not exactly like a full-on excuse where it's like he left in the first quarter. I think in general, that was gonna be a rough performance out of him. Then he misses week three and returns from injury. So he had that bad performance. I was kind of checking the, uh, the data like, okay, was he limited? Was he not getting the routes? It seems like he was healthy enough to have an 83% route participation. So I feel like that's actually pretty strong and encouraging moving forward that he is still having that role. I think he's a start, like a guy you can trust if Dak Prescott is back. If we're dealing with Cooper Rush again, then he's definitely more of a fringe option. On the other side, Tyler Higby is establishing himself as a very, very reliable option. It's kind of by necessity, but I mean, the dude is commanding an insane number of targets. He could honestly, like if you put him at tight end three this week, I would not think that's crazy. I'm guessing a lot of people are going to have Hawkinson up at three. But if we're talking about consistency through four weeks, Tyler Higby is probably sliding in at number three behind uh, Kelsey and behind Andrews. He's a high to mid-end tight end one, a mid-tier tight end one really at worst at this point. So he's a very, very strong start. Then we have the Bengals taking on the Ravens. It's going to be the Sunday night football game. Hayden Hurst caught a touchdown in week four. Still not someone who's commanding a ton of uh, targets, not someone who has a great route participation. He is going to be a sit for the Ravens. Obviously, we're firing up Mark Andrews. And then a strong tight end matchup to close out the week between the Raiders and the Chiefs. Pretty much what I've been saying about tight ends like Kittle, Kyle Pitts is also going to apply here to Darren Waller. He hasn't been great. Last two weeks have been rough, but we know the talent is there. This is a guy who can pop off for a you know, seven for 100 game and a touchdown. And you just can't be missing that. So he is going to be a start. And then Kelsey kills it just like he does every single season. He is going to be probably the tight end one moving forward. Him or Andrews kind of pick your poison there. But Kelsey is definitely a start. So that is going to wrap it up for my uh, week five tight end start sits. If you did enjoy, you stayed all the way through the end of the video, do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. Let me know your thoughts down below. Any questions, I'll be responding to every single person. As always, thank you guys for stopping by and I will see you in the next one.